0: This is Gridiron Graduates, a weekly podcast covering all things football. Episode number 54, Endzone Dancing Machine, recorded December 1st,
1: 2016. Boer oh, Setty and Ian Warren, hit you guys back up on the Gridiron Graduates, hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and uh, enjoyed the games, There's some pretty good ones, uh, yeah, hopefully you had a lot of food, and hopefully your shopping over the weekend went pretty smoothly. Uh, like I said, Bill Rossetti and my boy Ian, how you doing, Matt? How was your holiday? Everything going good for you?
0: Yeah, man, things are going really well. Um, really excited here as we, uh, we're we starting to hit like that, that end of the season. College football is basically all but over as far as the um, the regular season is concerned. We've just got to hit these championship games. Which we're gonna I'm surely gonna talk about or at least, you know, talk about the um, college football in general and then of course we got the NFL here wrapping up before we hit the playoff push, you know, in the next five weeks or so. So, um it's it's a great time of year. I love the bull games. I'm sad that college football is not quite over, but it's getting close to being over. Um, only about a month left of college football, so that's kinda sad. But this is a really fun season, so um yeah I'm, I'm I'm doing really well man it's it's the holiday season, so it's hard to be upset really well, absolutely you know it's
1: we're into december now it's it's really hard to believe Christmas right around the corner, which of course means my birthday's right around the corner
0: nice <laughs>
1: so for all you listeners out there if you wanna you know throw throw some gifts my way, I wouldn't be upset uh, i wouldn't be said. It all. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, you know, like you said, college season, you know, coming to a close, and uh, I I think that's a good place for us to start. We're definitely going to dip into a little bit of college. We're going to dip into a little bit of the draft on this episode, I think, too, because you know it's a good time to start with the college season starting to wrap up and the Senior Bowl invites starting to come in. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, we'll definitely start with college, um, as of course this week is championship week and we had the next to last set of rankings come out earlier this week and with the you know of course one of the big results from the weekend was ohio state beating michigan and then penn state beating uh, michigan state to put put penn state into the big ten championship game against wisconsin Uh, and of course the in turn, that knocked Michigan out of the top four and moved Washington in after they beat Washington State to claim the Apple Cup and their spot in the Pac-12 title game against Colorado. So looking at the rankings, got Alabama, of course, number one at this point, we, I think we can, you know, they're, they're obviously going to be in, probably going to be the number one seed, Even might even be number one even if they lose to Florida. Um then you got Ohio State at number 2 and of course again obviously Ohio State isn't playing this week but I think it's pretty safe to say at this point they're going to be in the playoffs as well the way that they've been locked in at number 2 for a couple weeks now and now they have the win over Michigan they have a win over Wisconsin probably looking at the buckeyes in the playoffs even without the the conference title Clemson at 3 They're, of course, taking on Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl, and Washington at 4, like I said, playing for the Pac-12 title. Then it's Michigan at 5, Wisconsin 6, Penn State 7, Colorado 8, and then Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at 9 and 10, playing each other in the de facto Big 12 title game. Uh, So looking ahead to this week, so we essentially have five conference championship games, which is nice, all in the Power 5. Um, you figure, like we said, Alabama's likely in, Ohio State's likely in. It's really a matter of who's going to get the three and four spots.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it comes down to championship weekend. And, uh, the interesting storyline here for me, I mean, I'm going to assume that this isn't going to happen, but what if Clemson and Washington lose? could we possibly see three Big Ten teams get in? I mean, if we looked at the rankings, yeah. and I don't, I don't think that that would happen for what it's worth. Um, but, I mean, you've got Ohio State, Michigan. It's. I think it's very possible that Michigan would be the next team in. If, if, the, if one of Clemson and Washington loses, I think Michigan's in. Um, and then the Big Ten champion. I mean, that would be... <laughs> I mean, again, I don't think it's gonna happen, but I mean, how crazy would that be? That would be. I mean, would it be? I think that'd be awful. Just in general, like I don't think. Not saying that those aren't really good teams, but I don't think that's good for college football, really. Right. I I mean, as much as I want to see Alabama lose as a fan of the Big Ten, really, um, (laughs) I would. It's good for the conference, but man, that's not good for. For I think general fans, but I mean it's just kind of an interesting thing to watch. I mean, you know, kind of like a fun hypothetical.
1: Oh, no doubt, and you know th- it's definitely not out of the realm, not out of the realm of possibility that it could that could happen. Um, you know, I, even just in talking about the Big Ten championship, you know, um, specifically a team like Penn State, I think they would require both Clemson and Washington losing for them to get in. Because I think it's going to be really tough for them to, number one, it's going to be tough for them to jump Michigan, too. You know, I mean, even with the rankings now, Michigan's two spots ahead of them. You know, it's it's obviously very tough for the committee to overlook or to ignore that uh, blowout. Earlier in the season in Ann Arbor, so I, I think a lot has to happen for Penn State to get in. As far as Wisconsin goes, they might, you know, they might have a shot if they win and one of the teams loses, but you know, preferably same thing as Penn State, both of them losing. Um, Colorado, I don't think is going to get in, even if they win the Pac-12. Again, you know. The loss to Michigan is going to hurt them, or at least keep Michigan ahead of Colorado. And then the uh, the Big Twelve champion, I think you need almost an act of God at this point uh, for one of those two to get in. So, you know, there's definitely chaos to, to happen, but I think you're 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 probably looking at among the top eight. It's going to be four of those, and I think you're really looking at, you know, you could, you could say six teams for two spots, but realistically more like four, maybe five
0: uh, for the two spots. Yeah, one thing that I, the only thing I really have to ask, and I, I hope just out of a rooting interest, I would like to see Clemson and Washington make the, the final four as well. Um, I would really like to see Washington play Alabama simply out of interest. I, I like seeing Pac-12 teams play more traditional power teams like Alabama, um, even Ohio State, and even Clemson to a degree. I mean, Clemson's a big physical team. very, They're a veteran team on both sides. I think that'd be a really fun matchup. Um, but especially for Alabama, I think would be a great test for them. And uh, so... My biggest question here is, why isn't Western Michigan getting any love as far as possibilities with the uh, with the playoff?
1: Yeah, really.
0: I um, mean, I don't. I understand they don't have the highest strength of schedule, but they have. A, I believe they have a higher strength of schedule actually than uh, than Washington. I think Washington is in the 60s with their strength of schedule. I'm going to look that up here real quick while we're talking, but Western Michigan has beaten everyone they've played. They've been dominant in most of their games. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out here, wasn't the purpose of creating this playoff to give everyone a little bit more of a chance, like a fair opportunity to get into this? Because the BCS at times was not the most fair. So I, I'm just trying to figure that out because it's it's a little weird to me.
1: Oh, absolutely no, you're right, and um, and the funny thing is, you know, not only are they not getting love for the playoff, but they're fighting just for that group of five spot because remember, you know, Navy's only two spots behind them at nineteen. And hell, they even kept Houston in the rankings at 24, even though Houston just suffered a bad loss. Now, Houston can't get the group of five spot at this point because they can't win their conference. So, really, it comes down to... Now, the funny thing here is that, and this actually came in the news earlier today, uh, and you know we're recording this on Thursday for those listening on a different day, that the committee may have to delay announcing some of the bowls until next week because of Navy being in the in the running for the Group of Five spot. Because, of course, next week Navy plays Army. And theoretically, that game is going to have some kind of effect on Navy's ranking, especially considering how close they are now to the Group of Five spot. You know, so... In essence, that's going to affect who plays in the Cotton Bowl. And then, obviously, there's a domino effect between, you know, the MAC teams and the AAC teams as far as, like, the other bowls go. So you could be looking at some teams and then, obviously, the teams that they would play as well. So um, it's a little bit of a nightmare scenario right now for the committee as far as Navy is concerned. Um you know, so I, and you know, like I said, I, I agree with you. It's really interesting w- why Western Michigan isn't in a little bit more of a comfortable position, you know, for that Cotton Bowl berth than they yeah. are. Because I mean, I, I don't ca- and, and I said this even in a couple years ago when Wichita State basketball ran the table. You know, I don't care who you play, what conference you're in, or whatever. Going undefeated is going undefeated.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, so I was actually I I was wrong on the strength of schedule. Um, Washington's about 35 spots higher um, with their strength of schedule. And I guess that would be the major arguing force. But just in general, I just I I just feel like for them to not even be in the conversation is not fair, at least whether or not they're a serious contender. I guess that's where it comes down, like strength of schedule and stuff like that. And that's totally fair. Um, but I, I, man, it's just, I just would like to see, and I hope one day that this playoff expands to six or eight teams, especially eight, because I think some good teams have two losses or even three losses. Um, who wouldn't want to see Louisville play Alabama in the first round of an 18 playoff? Hmm. Who doesn't want to see Western Michigan play Ohio state, for example, by the way, when they did play last year, Western Michigan played them pretty tough. Now I'm not saying Western Michigan's gonna win or Western Michigan play Penn State. You know what I mean? Like I just I feel like that's good football. Those are games that we don't get to see. Very unique matchups. Um, it puts more coaches on the stage, and PJ Fleck is a heck of a coach too. I just I want to see these unique matchups that we don't have the opportunity to see. And that would also keep teams like whoever wins the Big Ten alive, the Big 12 champion, uh, whoever wins this weekend. You could fit in two non-power five teams at least every year. Um, In fact, you could even do. You could say there's a berth um, for every conference, every major conference, and then you have three open spots, which would essentially give you probably two non-power fives and then probably another power five. Um, every year, or at least the opportunity to do that, and I think that that would be a really cool thing. Um, and some years will be worse than others, of course, but <coughs> this year especially would be such a strong year uh, to have that in place. And, and I know there's still the early stages of the playoff, and you know, so that's one of those factors um, as to why we don't have that yet. But man, I just with this year, with s- there's so much parity outside of Alabama. I feel like all these teams, I feel like there's a good handful of teams that are good, but not undefeated. You know, undefe- Not Obviously, there's no other undefeated besides Western Michigan, but unbeatable, I should say. Right. Ohio State's beatable. Michigan's beatable. Clemson's beatable. Um, and you can make the argument that even if Louisville and Clemson played again, I mean, do people not want to see a rematch of that? Even if we had an eight-team playoff, would you not want to see Ohio State-Michigan two? Wow, I absolutely. mean, I, I just think that would be awesome. Absolutely.
1: I mean, look, I, you know, we don't we don't see it too often. The highest ranked two loss team is number five. That's crazy. The fir- the first team out of the playoffs. I.
0: It seems you know, I, very uncommon.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I can't recall off the top of my head like the first two years, but I don't think. The first no. team out, or, or, the, or even the first two teams out, had two losses.
0: No, because in 2014, it came down to TCU and Ohio State, mm-hmm. and those both had one loss. And Baylor had one loss until their loss against TCU. Yep.
1: Um,
0: and then last year, I'd have to take a look at it, but I believe that's correct as well. Um so, I mean, it's, you know, exactly. it's one of those it's one of those years where and it's, I don't think that's an indictment on these teams are not good. I just think that there's a lot of quality teams right now um, without dominant teams, which is OK, too. Like the, the product this year has been fantastic. I mean, 80 percent of the weeks have had great games and there's only been two or three weeks where it's like, eh, you know, what? I could have missed football that day and I didn't miss much. Most weeks have been pretty exciting.
1: yeah, I was just looking it up quick. Um, yeah, last year, the first team out was Iowa, who of course only had the one loss and that was in the big Ten championship uh, then the next team out was Stanford they had two, but yeah, it just goes to show how crazy um, this season has been and that we are looking at the possibility of two lost team being in the playoffs as far as other you know I just want to talk to you a little bit about some of the potential bowl matchups we could see um, and some of the interest that could be there um, now we expect Alabama to um, to win the SEC which would put them as the number one seed and put them in the peach Bowl um, Let's say Washington wins the Pac 12 and they stay at four. So you'll have Alabama, Washington, and, you know, I mean, at this point, I, I could very well see that the four that are in now are, are going to be the four that make the playoffs. So it would be Alabama, Washington in the Peach, Ohio State, Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. Which means you'd be looking at um, Wisconsin or Penn State, whoever wins, in the Rose Bowl. Probably against Colorado. Sugar Bowl looks like it's going to be the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State winner against Auburn. Orange Bowl looks like it's going to be, again, assuming the top four hold, Orange Bowl would be Florida State against Michigan. And the Cotton Bowl could potentially be Western Michigan or maybe Navy against Perhaps the Big Ten championship loser, you know, mm. maybe if maybe say if it's a close game, they keep the loser of that game high enough that they get that last spot. You know, so that's, interesting.
0: This, it'll be interesting to see where the Big Twelve, Big Ten loser, championship game loser goes because I think they're going to be way overqualified for whatever bowl game they go to.
1: Yeah, because at this point, you know, with the way they're ranked, depending on where they get ranked after the game, that could very well determine who gets that cotton ball spot. Yep. You know, it could be them, or if they fall enough, it opens the door for maybe USC, sitting there at 11. Yep. Because I'd imagine they'll drop whoever loses between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, which would, you know, move... USC up again, you know, because Florida, Florida State at this point, because I I doubt they're going to flip flop them in Louisville with neither of them playing. So I think Florida State has the the yeah. Orange Bowl spot locked up. So Louisville's probably going to play in the Citrus Bowl. So
0: yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see Michigan and, USC. In, in a bowl game, because USC's been on fire. And if they win against um, Colorado, and are they playing Colorado? Is that right? Um,
1: yeah, Washington
0: and Colorado. Washington and yeah. Colorado, yeah if, yeah. if Washington loses to Colorado, um, I wonder if USC, and maybe, maybe Clemson would have to lose too, is there any way USC can get in the playoff? I mean, that would be really interesting to me. They've been on fire the second half of the season. It would seem hard, I think, to for them to jump Michigan, but I guess if both of those teams lost, Clemson and Washington, maybe there's a chance.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's... It's, it, it's going to be tough, though, but obviously, with with the three losses. Yeah. I think what would be... Would it, what a really interesting scenario here too would be, is if Oklahoma State wins the Big 12, do they go back and kind of look at Oklahoma State as essentially a one-loss Big 12 champion?
0: Yeah. Because yeah, because I don't I don't think Oklahoma has a chance after losing to Ohio State and Louisville. Or I'm sorry, not Louisville, Houston. Yeah. Losing to both those teams, I think, killed their odds. But mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. I think has a decent argument and I think they'd be a really fun team. I don't think they would I don't think they're a strong contender. Like I don't think they would be I don't think honestly I don't think they'd beat anyone ahead of them as far as like the big ten teams. I think they'd be probably pretty competitive with Penn State and Wisconsin, but I don't know if they'd beat them. Um they're just not an overly physical team. Pretty much one through six right now is are pretty physical teams. But that would be an interesting discussion, because chaos will break loose, and we're all for chaos on this show. And we're trying to prepare for that, because just preparing for you know, the, the favorites to win isn't really fun. As much as I would like to see the Final Four be those teams, <coughs> I also know it would be super fun to see those two teams go down this weekend and then see who makes it in that Final Four.
1: That. Uh, absolutely. I, I'd love... Because I love chaos as well. I'd, I'd love to see it happen. <laughs> you know, you i know, If say both Clemson and Washington lose. Then you have all these two lost teams that they have to compare. It, it would be a struggle for the committee, that's for sure. And if that happens, I'll say the same thing that I say every year in March about the basketball committee. And that's, thank God I'm not part of the committee. And God bless those that are. Because they have a lot of difficult choices to make. So, definitely looking forward to it. And uh, we'll see what happens. So, I think we'll jump ahead now. Uh, We'll go ahead and talk about getting a little draft mode now. Like I said earlier, Senior Bowl right around the corner now. We could actually say it's next month now. Hard to believe. Now that we're in December, Um, invites are starting to go out. Almost 50 players have accepted their invitation so far. Mm. And, um... We'll go ahead and discuss... get your thoughts on some of the guys that you, you mentioned you liked. Um... Go ahead and start with um, yeah. I, I've seen, I've seen this guy's name kind of float around a little bit. It seems like he's a pretty popular prospect among draft Twitter. So first guy I'll get your thoughts on is Vince Beagle, linebacker out of Wisconsin. Because I've I've seen his, his name thrown around quite a bit. You know, people have been talking about him. Um, people seem to to get to have gotten really excited when. He accepted his senior bowl bed, so he he seems like a player that's going to be worth watching.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, um, you're cut up cut off a little bit there. Who are we um, discussing?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, um, Vince Beagle.
0: Oh, Vince Beagle. Okay, yeah, um, he's a guy I noticed a couple years ago actually with Wisconsin uh, when I was scouting the Big Ten for um, Optimum Scouting. He is he's a <coughs> well sized guy. He projects as a Sam linebacker. In a four-three defense, but I think he could also play inside linebacker in a three-four. Um, he's an athletic guy; he can rush the passer. Uh, I'd say that's probably his biggest strength right now, is being a pass rusher. Uh, but he's also stout against the run. He's listed at 6-4, 245. I think he'll probably come in pretty close to that, maybe like a six-three and a half, 238, thirty-eight, two thirty-nine, that type of range. And that you know, it's not a huge difference, uh, but usually there's a little bit of a discretion between. Uh, listed weights and then you know playing weights after the season especially um, Beagle's definitely a guy I'm interested in I think he's a, a late day two guy you can look at him maybe late round two to mid to late round three especially in this class which I, and I project him to be a starter in the NFL so I, I'm really pleased that they were able to land him
1: um, I guess I'll just mention real quick you know I'm sure there's people out there that Maybe tuning in for the first time, you know. If you are welcome, glad to have you. May not be familiar with the Senior Bowl, uh, of course. Arguably the top All Star game, um, you know, for for college football, the top seniors gathering, Mobile, Alabama, and it essentially is the unofficial start to the uh, draft season. And I've said on numerous occasions that I'm hoping to. Get down there. Um, I have the hotel reserved, so I, I have that in my back pocket. So if I decide to make the trek, I don't. I've got it ready to go, and uh, so we'll see. Uh, hoping, hoping to get down there and meet a lot of people and uh, do it up big. I guess <laughs> I'm sure everybody will be parting it up in Mobile, so that'll be fun if it happens. So. Uh, so some other guys. Um, you met you mentioned the defensive tackle, and of course, you know I, I do like some. I do like the lineman. You know that's probably one of my favorite positions to to check out. Uh, you had mentioned Mon- Montrevious Adams of Auburn.
0: Yeah, I think he could be one of the big winners of this week with a good showing and. I'm going to use this. I'm not using this as a comp. I'm going to use this as just like a, as an example and a recent example of someone who has uh, played very well and parlayed that into a very successful NFL career. Even though he's a young player, he's destined to be a very highly paid player soon. Montrevis um, Adams sort of reminds me of Aaron Donald in a little bit of ways, at least as far as the opportunity that he has at the senior bowl to go there and make a huge name for himself he's not a guy that plays hard every snap Um, we're seeing robert camdiche kind of struggle um, in the nfl because of that i still trust in the talent though we heard the same things about chris jones he's been a monster for the kansas city chiefs and uh you know some of those things just take time have to learn how to be a professional have to get your body in shape uh, especially these big defensive tackles sometimes it takes years to either a year, two years, maybe even three years at times uh, for them to really master becoming a, a, a man, really. Some of these guys are 21 years old and still with their men's size are now fully grown. Um, but he's listed at 6'4", 309. I think he's going to be like a 6'3", 300-pounder. He's really quick. He's a quick, powerful dude, um, not as light or as small as uh, Aaron Donald, which that was uh, ended up being a really big advantage for Donald. Um, he's not as quick either. And so, but he's he's a solid athlete. I would say he's above average athlete, kind of like former Auburn player Nick Fairley. Nick Fairley's bounced around the league a little bit, but he's been dominant when he wants to be. Um, Even for the Saints this season, he's been excellent. He's been much better even than their first round pick uh, Sheldon Rankins from this past year. So, uh, obviously Auburn going to the same school sometimes you know those comps happen. Um, They sometimes happen for a reason (laughs) too because. Teams tend to uh, recruit and scout um, players that were previously successful in those schemes, and that's why Adams is very similar to Fairley, at least as far as his strengths. Um, I would like to see him work harder, but if he can go to the Senior Bowl, interview well, I think he's going to do really well. Um, Just in those one-on-one drills, he should look like a star. Uh, He's got a real opportunity to be a first-round pick.
1: Uh one of the things I find a little interesting right now, you know, you know, obviously quarterback always seems to be a bit of the talk at the senior bowl. Um so far there's two that have accepted their invites, but one has an injury and is certainly questionable for the senior bowl. That's Seth Russell of Baylor. The other one right now is Davis Webb of Cal. Um It'll be interesting to see who the other quarterbacks will be going to mobile. I noticed the other day on Twitter someone had asked Dane Brugler of CBS, great great draft guy, by the way, um, about Mitch Trubisky, quarterback of the North Carolina, and it sound the way he answered, and then Patrick Wu, uh, fellow Penn Stater, by the way. What's up, Patrick? Um, they had both mentioned that mitch is i guess i guess a little too young uh for the senior bowl he's not quite a junior graduate so you're probably not going to see him but there's already starting to be a little bit of buzz that he could be a highly drafted quarterback maybe even the top quarterback I don't, I don't know what kind of feeling you're getting from him right now but um or you know how much you've checked him out so far but you know what, what's your take on that
0: yeah, I think it's too bad. I would have liked to have seen him be at the Senior Bowl. It would have been a really good um, opportunity for him. And obviously, there's not much he could do. Um, not much he could do about that. It, it is what it is. But from from my standpoint, and I haven't seen everything on Trubisky yet. I finished up Kaiser. Um, I'm up to date on Watson. I have you know pretty good takes on them. I'm about halfway through Trubisky's film. Um, I think he's a raw guy. He's a he's a very talented uh, uh, passer, raw passer. But I look at him and I worry a little bit, just in terms of uh, you know, is this a guy that with only one starting season, you know, it's understand while it's understandable that he's raw because he was behind Marcus Marquise Williams the last couple of years. How do you draft a guy? that yo- that young and inexperienced that high um it's hard man i i know that we want really talented quarterbacks but every year i feel like some of these discussions are the same it's like it's gonna be difficult to justify taking him <laughs> over some of the other elite players that are a little bit more proven and quarterbacks will get pushed up and i do think that he's a guy he to me he looks like an early round two type, maybe a late first type of guy. A guy that can sit for a year or two. You can view him as, you know, a high end potential guy, but has considerable risks and doesn't need to play right away. Doesn't mean that and again, this isn't my final take on him, but he's coming from a a spread offense with great playmakers around him. Another star in Ryan Switzer, who I love at wide receiver. I think he's going to be a fantastic NFL player uh, albeit a role player he's not going to be a star but he's going to be a great role player and a a pain in everyone's neck for the next 10 years uh, as a punt returner and as a receiver Um, but Trubisky had a lot of talent around him Elijah Hood at running back the offensive line was fairly good Uh, the defense didn't do much help a lot of times especially in their losses but you know Trubisky still has to figure out some of the kinks some of the the nuance of the position, I'd actually like to see him return to school. I don't think he will. Uh, from what it seems, his mom had made a comment a couple of months ago that if um, the NFL views him highly, he's going to declare. Um, I'll tell you this right now, he will be a first-round pick. He will probably be a top-ten pick. Everything I've gathered is is that that's the expectation, is he will be a top-ten pick. He's not going to go back to North Carolina, really, no matter what I say. And that's good for him. He should take advantage, take full advantage. Uh, But I hope that if he goes to either Cleveland or Chicago or San Francisco or the Jets, um, I just hope that they don't force him on the field too early. I'd like to see maybe the approach that the Rams have taken with Jared Goff, who had a nice second game against the Saints. Not a flawless one, but a nice game against the uh, Saints. Um, Sit him maybe for the first half of the season. If your season's in the toilet, get him some playing time for next year. Um, but he's not going to be a guy I don't think that's going to come in right away um, and have a massive amount of success or even be a, an above average <laughs> passer. Maybe at best he'll be at times average, um, like Carson Wentz has. Um, and Like Dak Prescott has been kind of average, maybe above average. Um, it just depends on how, what you can surround him with. Um, and certainly some some situations are much better than others. So, well, you know, we'll talk about that as the, as the draft gets closer, as far as the best fits for guys like that. But um, right now, I like him. I don't love him, and I think that he is a flawed prospect, and like every quarterback is. There's no perfect quarterback. Even Andrew Luck was not a perfect prospect, um, and he is still a flawed passer. So, you know, it's it's okay that he's flawed. The question is how easily and realistically can you build around his skill set. Uh, and right now, I would say that he needs to do a considerable amount of growth before you can really count on him um, as a, a comfortable, comfortable long-term answer. And I would say that about Deshaun Kaiser as well, and and you know to a lesser extent Deshaun Watson. But I would also say Deshaun Watson has much less of a ceiling than those two guys as well. So there's a bit of a trade-off. <laughs>
1: So we'll definitely get more into that, you know, definitely talk more to quarterbacks and, uh, you know, as they declare, and some more of these senior bowl players. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, I think we'll go ahead and jump back up to the pros and then kind of wrap things up a little bit. Um, like I said, we're recording this on Thursday, so we're recording this during the Thursday night game, which is just ended a little bit ago, and it is now... for the Dallas Cowboys as they had defeated the Minnesota Vikings 17-15. Unbelievable. What a run the Cowboys have been on. 11 in a row. And as far as the Vikings go boy um and it's funny i was just scrolling on my phone and there was a meme that came up that said remember when the vikings were five and zero? now they're sitting at six and six and they're watching their playoff hopes slowly fade away which is good news for eagles fans because of course the eagles own the vikings first-round pick so it's looking like the eagles are probably going to get around the mid-first anyway so uh Boy, just what a run the Cowboys have been on. <clears throat> and uh, they can actually clinch a playoff spot on Sunday if either Washington or Tampa Bay loses. Um, I mean, at this point, we obviously expect Dallas to be in the playoffs. And we kind of talked about this last time when we did our, uh, you know, our playoff thoughts on each team. And certainly those have changed a little bit too. You know, like for example, the Lions now look are in more control of the NFC North. They're now two up in the loss column. A um, team like Tampa Bay is in a better position for a playoff spot. Uh, you know, so it, it's just been crazy to think, you know, even your Dolphins actually are actually right now sitting in the playoff spot. They have the last playoff spot in the AFC. You know, so I mean, overall with, you know, five weeks left, you know, what's, what's your take on some of these teams? Like, what you think is going to happen? Um, you know, as far as, like, down the stretch, playoffs? <coughs> as... I uh, may have lost Ian for a sec, but uh, you know I'll, I'll just kind of chime back in myself. Um, you know, like like for example, we talked about last time. You know, the NFCs so how all these teams had a had a shot at the playoffs. Well, then the Eagles Eagles went and dropped the ball against the Packers, they now went to 5, and six. Uh, Two back in the lost column of the Redskins, who's still on the second wild card, but are only half a game ahead of Tampa Bay for that last spot. And, you know, it's it's definitely nice to see Tampa Bay get back on an upswing. Um, You know, they certainly took advantage of a a favorable position last week when they were home against a depleted... Seahawks team especially on defense um, but hey you take a win however you can get it and uh, Tampa six and five just out of a playoff spot you know the Saints kept their playoff hopes alive with the win the Packers kept their playoff hopes alive being Eagles <clears throat> you know so it, and just looking at the playoff standings it's crazy to think that um you know, right now, if the playoffs started, three of your final four from last season would be out of the playoffs. Two of them are under 500. You know, with um, <clears throat> with Arizona at four six and one, Carolina at four and seven, and then of course Denver right now would be out of the playoffs at uh, seven and four, losing right now on the tiebreaker to uh, to
0: Miami. Yeah, sorry about that. There, I actually caught myself on mute uh, as sorry. I was taking a sip of water. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I agree with you, man. The, the the Buccaneers definitely. I mean, they're sitting really nicely, um, even though they're just outside the, the playoffs. As the Vikings lost tonight, um, so they dropped down to six and six. It leaves the Buccaneers at six and five. They're the only NFC team besides the Redskins. With six wins. Um, That's not currently, at least in like the hunt, as the NFL playoff picture will call it. So they're going to be fighting with the Redskins for that last playoff spot right now. Uh, If they can win this week and if the Redskins trip up really here within the next couple weeks, you know, the Buccaneers continue to be a little bit of a stronger team, they could easily swap out with the Redskins. And they kind of control their own destiny the race should be to 10 wins. Um, if any of these teams finishes 4-1 and one between the Buccaneers and Redskins, if one of them can get to 10 wins, I think they're guaranteed to be in. But more realistically, I think it's going to be more like a 9-7, and seven, and then for the Redskins, 9-6-1. and one. Um, So the Buccaneers, they do have a little bit of work because the Redskins have that tie instead of a loss, and that is not helpful to them. But um, the NFC... It's right now between the Buccaneers, Redskins, and either this probably the Saints and the Packers. Um, the Eagles also are five and six, but the Eagles obviously are also chasing the Redskins, and I don't think that they're in a good position. Um, I think the Bears, Rams, Panthers, Cardinals—I think you can just cross them all off, and they're basically out of this. Um, I think if the Eagles or Packers or Saints, they got to get to nine wins. They, If not, 10. Um, it's going to be hard to win out, though. To go 5-0 and the rest of the season after being up and down like those teams have been this year, it might be too much to ask. Um, so yeah, the NFC, man, the NFC is going to be a really tight race, I think, between maybe three teams to get into the playoffs there at the very end. And we may end up just seeing it between being a two-team race between the Buccaneers and Redskins. Uh, but the Cowboys-Seahawks, Lions, Giants, Falcons, and Redskins. That's a pretty pretty loaded and pretty impressive uh, NFC bracket there. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just looking at the remaining schedules for some of these teams. Tampa, of course, they're at San Diego this week. Then they've got their two games against the Saints in the following three weeks, which, oh, by the way, sandwiches a trip to Dallas. And then they host Carolina in week 17. Mm. So, uh, pretty tough schedule. Not a brutal one, but, you know, obviously the trip to Dallas is going to be a tough one. But, um, and there's there's now talk that that game could, could very well be, you know, maybe flexed into 425 or maybe even flexed into the Sunday night game. So,. <clears throat> Um, so that'll be a big opportunity for Tampa. So, you know, obviously, definitely some winnable games. Um, and then we look at Washington's remaining schedule. They visit Arizona this week. Then they visit Philadelphia. Home against Carolina at Chicago. Home against the Giants. Um, so. Mm.
0: It's hard to really say who'd be favored. I mean, it's these teams are just so streaky. I mean, we really only have, I think, four really good teams, and even then, the Patriots losing Gronk, um, the Raiders' defense is terrible, the Cowboys on offense have not been totally consistent, and you can't trust their defense, really, I don't think, I know they're 10-1, and 1, but let's look at it realistically. I mean, <coughs> they don't have many stars on defense and on offense, I don't think that they've Dax played well, and obviously Zeke is amazing and the offensive line is amazing. I, I don't think that they have converted as much in scoring opportunities, I think, as they could. Um, the Seahawks, we know about their offensive line, and we saw also the disaster last week against Tampa Bay. So even like the top of the teams are very flawed teams. Um, and it really, as like we enter the playoff season, it's like, could one of these wildcard teams... Possibly get hot or stay hot in some of their situations, and maybe pull off an upset early in the playoffs, first or second round.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, quick, I'll flip to the AFC because I don't know if you were talk about the Dolphins while you were on mute. Um, but you know, just kind of give us your thoughts on them, the run they've been on lately, and the fact that. You know, after that one and four start, they're now sitting here in a playoff position, which is five weeks to go in the season. Do they have what it takes to um, finish the job? Can they hold Denver off and actually make it to the playoffs?
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing because five weeks into the season, I was saying, well, this team needs major changes. Um, it's clear that they are lacking talent um, in key spots. I still think that they are a flawed roster. I still think in general um the roster's not overall too great. Um, but I will say this and that they are forcing turnovers. So the defense which is not very good at least is making big plays. And when you're making big plays, it's a whole lot easier to stomach being an average defense because when you got when you have guys that aren't playing consistently high on a basically a uh, uh uh, drive to drive, uh, uh, drive to drive consistency. With that in mind, you have to force big plays, or at least not allow big plays. Miami has not allowed big plays, and they forced big turnovers. So that's why they're su- they've been successful on defense, um, on offense, just much better. This is what we were talking about with Ryan Tannehill the last couple years. They have balance. And he has greatly uh, greatly improved because of that. The defense has to respect the run. Even when the run's not terribly effective, they at least have to respect it. He's playing very confidently. Um, the offensive scheme makes a lot of sense. No longer is Bill Lazor out here uh, just making stuff up and throwing it against the wall, uh, being hyped up by people and coaches that know him, um, despite him doing a very poor job. Uh, with the Dolphins as an offensive coordinator. So they actually have someone that, an Adam Gates that is built around Ryan Tannehill's strengths a little bit. Um, and some of this is just Ryan Tannehill just playing what he's really a- about as well as uh, uh, he has been in the last couple of years. But it's a whole lot easier to do that when you're getting the help around you and guys are finishing plays and you're getting a little bit of blocking, not necessarily a great um, set of blocking. But even just an average amount of blocking, um, you know, I'm just I I look at this team and I say, can they win the wild card? Yes, I do think that they can. Absolutely. Um, I thought they'd get six wins on the season. Obviously, I was wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, They've really what they've done is very impressive. But but they have to finish it out now. Like you said, the Broncos are right there. Um, The Ravens, tough game this week. Really tough game this week, and if Miami wins this week, they are almost all but assured to get a playoff spot. They would basically just have to win two more games, and it would be very difficult for them to not get in. But the Ravens have played them tough. The Ravens are a team that they win ugly. I don't think they're an especially good team still. Um, They win very close games, and Miami's won a lot of close games too, but the Ravens, I think, are. it's just not... They win because they don't mess up as opposed to um, the other team does mess. Or the other team is just simply the worst team or the lesser team. The, really what they, they bank on is that you're going to make major mistakes. And even though the Ravens aren't that good, they've won with that. They don't shoot themselves in the foot very often. So... You know, it, it basically it's a long-winded version of saying if the Dolphins don't beat themselves this game, they might they should be able to win this game because I just don't think Baltimore is, is overly talented, um, overly deep either on, on either side of the ball. They, they've got some very good stars, but I don't think they've got enough to kind of carry on them through their issues. So um, the other teams, obviously the Broncos, can they overcome their offense? The Steelers, can they overcome their health and their inconsistent nature? The Bills, can they continue to, to fight and claw? Um, only one game back in the Dolphins, and they do play the Dolphins. So that's going to be tough. And then the Titans, 6-6, six six, probably the big surprise of the season. They've been on fire, uh, but they are inconsistent as well. So can they jump the Texans? I think they will actually end up jumping the Texans. I think that they'll win that division. Um so it's, you know, as far as the wild cards, the Chiefs and Dolphins, I think the Chiefs will, if they don't win the division, they'll easily get the one wild card spot. So there's really only one open wild card spot. Um, the AFC East has basically decided NFC West will either be the Raiders, Chiefs. Um, AFC North will either be the Ravens or Steelers. And then the AFC West will be the Texans or Titans. With well, The Colts have a small chance, but I don't think they'll make it. So... Um, Jaguars, Jets, Bengals, Chargers, I think you can write those teams off completely. And then the Colts, Titans, Bills, Steelers, and Broncos are the teams on the outside in. Um, and, and some of those teams are just for their division. Colts, Titans are just for their division. I don't think either of those teams have a legit chance, um, to get the wild card. Although I guess the Titans could, because the Titans didn't beat the Dolphins. Um, but they, they would need a lot of help to get there.
1: All right, good stuff. Um,
0: and so it should really be a uh, fun end to the season because of that. With so much vol- volatility week to week, you really can't expect either way. Um, you know, I guess you would bank on teams that have made it before and the more veteran teams, and I think that's usually a safe bet. Usually the franchises don't mess up too much, but I, I, I think this year we do see some fresh blood. I do think this. For me, I would probably bet on Miami making it. I think Miami really could do it, and it would be huge for their franchise. It'd be huge for Adam Gase. Um, he's really been impressive. I know that I really like him. Um, I thought that he, uh, I thought I think that he's done a really great job of uh, of improving once guys have gotten healthy. Especially the offensive line and on defense, guys have gotten healthier. Um, and guys have just stepped up and made big plays. Devontae Parker's putting himself in position to make bigger plays. Kiko Alonzo's capitalizing on just being in the right place, right time. Um, and he's forcing some big plays too. So, I'm, you know, I'm happy for him as well. Byron Maxwell's came up and, and been a very good player for Miami after a rough, rough start to the season in that benching. So, I'm gonna go with Miami to get that last wild card, which is maybe a little optimistic, but, you know, why not? And, um, you know, like I said about the, the rest of the divisions, I think those will probably be close and, you know, most of these teams are within one game of each other. So, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Titans, I think is my upset pick.
1: Nice. I like it. So with that, I think, uh, I think that's a good place to stop. I think. As always, we've got and some. I'm
0: not sure we might have lost Bill. Um,
1: As I forget, I had the... <laughs> well, we both
0: pulled... <laughs> it
1: happened to us both. So there, there you go. This will be... Call us around the... Call us many around the horn. We both muted ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, good stuff there. I think... Uh... I think that's a good place to stop. What do you think? I think we've got some good info out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, it's, um, uh, you know, and football is amazing because it changes so quickly. Um, but, you know, I, I'm i looking forward to really seeing how some of these division matchups, and I, I hope we continue to get some, some fresh blood into the playoffs. It just makes it so much more interesting.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, So yeah, that's that's our show for this week, guys. Thanks, as always, so much for listening. Uh, Enjoy the games this week. Enjoy, you know, the potential college chaos, and get ready for Sunday when the bowl matchups are announced, and of course, when we come back next week, we'll certainly discuss what happened on championship weekend, and... Maybe preview some of the bowls and start gearing up a little more for draft season. Um, so with that, for Ian Wharton, at NFL Film Study on Twitter, I'm at Bill underscore Mercetti. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Take care, and we'll see you next time right here on GG.